Hey there, it's Thursday, February 10th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen every single day. Very seriously, I can't tell you how much it means that you come to hang out, let's talk some Tar Heels and see what's going on. It means the world. Especially on a day like today. I, listen, I'm a little bit off right now. I, I made a critical error this morning in my Wordle. Uh, it, it made me get a four instead of a three, and it's just throwing my whole morning off. I guess that means it maybe is going to be just one of those days in my life. <sighs> okay, fine. But you know what? I'm watching the Olympics. They're on in the background right here. Chloe Kim is about to win a gold medal for the United States of America in the halfpipe. It's going to be awesome. Maybe that'll make things a little better. But we are not here to talk about the Olympics. We're here to talk about the Tar Heels. So here's what's coming up on today's show. We're going to talk about the Tar Heels that are in the NBA this year, what's going on for them. The All-Star break is coming up in just about a week, so we want to check in on that. There's been a lot of conversation about what's going on with Dawson Garcia. Is he coming back to the team? Well, we got a little bit of an update from Coach Davis this week, so want to check in on that. But first, we need to talk a little football. Last week, the ACC released all the 2022 ACC football schedules, and so it's always a good time here, even in early, early, I guess it's not even spring, We're let's call it late winter, to look at what the 2022 football Tar Heels will be doing. So here's the schedule. Here's how it shakes out for Carolina. Starting in zero week, on August 27th, they will host Florida A&M. The very next week, September 3rd, travel to App State. Another road trip right after that, September 10th, going to Georgia State to return that trip that uh, from this past year when the Panthers came to Chapel Hill. Then they get an open week the very next week, September 17th, followed by hosting Notre Dame out of that open week on September 24th. Then Virginia Tech comes to town to open ACC play on October 1st. Then at Miami at Duke back-to-back on October 8th and 15th. And then a second open week on October 22nd. And then a stretch of five straight weeks to finish out this regular season. Hosting Pitt on October 29th. Then back-to-back road trips to Virginia and Wake Forest on November 5th and 12th. And then hosting Georgia Tech on November 19th, and then finishing off the season the day after Thanksgiving, NC State comes to Keenan Stadium. Got Got some work to do to make up for what happened there last year. Yikes. And that'll be November 25th. So there's the schedule. That's what it looks like. That's how it shapes up. What what are we seeing? What are some of the takeaways? Well, here here's what I'm picking up as as I look through that. First off, no Thursday games this year for Carolina. And uh, that, you know, while those Thursday games are great and a lot of fun to watch, that's ah, just murder on your schedule. It's so nice to be get into, be able to get into just a weekly rhythm of you know that Saturday's coming, and so that's great. So the, the only non-Saturday game is that NC State game on the Friday of Thanksgiving week to close out the regular season. Other than that, Carolina has literally all Saturday games. Obviously, uh, because of TV windows and and having to wait and see who's playing well and money, everything is to be announced on times right now, so we'll have to wait for that. 
The other nice thing is that by virtue of playing a week zero game, that's the Florida A&M, A&M game, excuse me, Carolina has the added benefit of two open weeks, which are September 17th and October 22nd. So that's a nice thing about starting off that way. As per usual, Carolina will play all six of the other teams in the ACC Coastal Division, plus two teams from the Atlantic Division, always NC State, and then the other this year is Wake Forest. Uh, It's actually the fourth year in a row playing Wake, uh, which is really nice. It's a good thing, and last year it was not an ACC, it was not a conference game, but this year it will be in that territory. The other thing you notice is that we're finally getting into what I'll call a, a Mac Brown arrangement of football schedule, where rather than, than starting off with a major uh, conference opponent or an ACC game, Carolina will get a, a little bit of some, some warm-up games. Not, not that they're throwaway games or gimme games, but they're not ACC games. You get an opportunity, especially in a year where you're breaking in a new quarterback, Uh, to uh, get your feet wet a little bit before you enter into those conference games that really, really matter in terms of making, hopefully, the the ACC championship game later on. And so so what that means, here's what that looks like. So Florida A&M, then going to App State and Georgia State. And and remember, again, those are not gimmies. App State came to Keenan Stadium in 2019 and and knocked off Carolina, 34-31. And so that's going to be a really interesting back-to-back week of trips, so we'll see how that goes. But what this also means is that the first ACC game won't be until Game 5 when Virginia Tech comes to Chapel Hill to take on Carolina. So the first ACC game this year will be October 1st, so it's nice to have all that space before having to get into that. But then the entire rest of the regular season is all ACC games. So Florida A&M, App State, Georgia State, Open Week, host Notre Dame, and obviously that Notre Dame game will not be counted in the ACC standings. And then so Carolina rattles off just eight straight ACC games after the Notre Dame game. And interestingly, this is, this is where the, the Mac Brown schedule looks a little bit different, how he wants to lay things out. The past six seasons... Prior to 2022, there's been a non-ACC opponent leading into the last regular season game. Uh, A lot of major conference teams do that. This year, it was Wofford, 2020, Western Carolina, 2019, Mercer, Western Carolina in 2018, 2017, and the Citadel in 2016. And so Coach Brown has kind of gotten rid of that, moved it out of the way, and then it'll just be this ACC gauntlet down the stretch. So whereas this season in 2021, four of the first five games were ACC games, this year there won't be a single ACC game until the fifth game. I got to imagine that's going to be a big win for Coach Brown and the rest of the football Tar Heels. What's really neat, I I love this thing that the ACC does on on Labor Day weekend. They have five days of football starting on the Thursday of Labor Day weekend and going through Monday, actual Labor Day. There is at least one ACC game each of those five days. And I love that the ACC does this. Keep it going, ACC. Let's stand out. Let's be unique. 
Well, we're also this year going to see the first evidence of the alliance that was concocted between the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. Remember, a lot of it right now really just centers around, hey, we're going to play each other. And so Carolina isn't going to play an alliance opponent this season, but there are four ACC teams playing one of those games, and each of which is against a Big Ten opponent in this first season. So Rutgers is going to travel to Boston College on September 3rd. Duke will go to Northwestern on September 10th. That same day, Virginia travels to Illinois. And then the next week, September 17th, Purdue is going to go to Syracuse. So we're going to see four of those games. Pretty neat. So everybody, get ready. The first game for Carolina is only 28 short weeks away. It's coming. Carolina will kick off against Florida A&M with a new defense, a new quarterback replacing Sam Howell, who was going to be off and doing his NFL thing in the professional ranks. And you know what? Speaking of Tar Heels moving on to the professional ranks, I'm going to update you here in just a second on what Tar Heels and the NBA are doing this year. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as we march right up to the big game this coming Sunday. Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. Bet Online has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, and UFC, along with live real time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, I want to remind you that today is the NBA tra uh, trade deadline, Thursday, February 10th at three o'clock. So the Locked On NBA podcast is going to have you covered from two to four today with all the news coming at you in real time. So join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move that comes. Subscribe to Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know exactly when they go live. And that's going to help us keep track of if any Tar Heels are going to be on the move. And as we think towards that end, I want to tell you that every Monday during the NBA regular season, I publish an article for Sports Illustrated with an update on all the Tar Heels currently in the NBA. Each one of those articles, I take a look at their stats from the prior week, and I look ahead to their schedule for the coming week. So I'd, I'd love for you to check that out on Mondays and, and want to make that part of our podcast conversation sometimes, too, is just providing us with some updates of, of how those guys are doing and, and what's going on. So let me give you a little background, paint the picture of who all is in the NBA this year, who they're playing for, all those things. So there are 13 Tar Heels in the NBA right now. 11 of them are on full-time contract contracts they're on the roster they're good they're playing with the NBA team one of them Theo Pinson is on a two-way contract he plays for the Mavericks along with Reggie Bullock and then also another one is on a 10-day contract that's Justin Jackson it's actually his third 10-day contract of the season uh, the second this is his second one of those with the Suns he also was on a 10-day contract with the Celtics earlier this year so of those 11 that are on full-time contracts, here's who it is. I'll just go in alphabetical order by last name. Cole Anthony playing with the Orlando Magic. It's his sophomore season, his second year in the NBA, and he's having a great season. He didn't make the All-Star team, but he's going to participate in the three-game Rising Stars tournament 
and he's in the dunk contest. He's one of the participants there. Of course, Obi Toppin's in it, so he's probably taking home that trophy. That's where my money would be. That dude is crazy. But Cole Anthony, having a great year. Love what he's doing. Uh, the Magic are young. They've got a great core. They're, you know, not great in the wins column right now, but they're going to get there. Next, Harrison Barnes, part of the Sacramento Kings, another team that isn't great, but Barnes is one of the bright spots for that organization. De'Aaron Fox from Kentucky leads the team in scoring, and then Barnes is second at 16.9 points a game. And listen, he's shooting the lights out, 45.7% from the field, 40.5% from three, and 82.3% from the free throw line. That man is shooting, and he's not the only Tar Heel to hit those benchmarks. We're going to get to another one in just a second. I would guess you can imagine who the other one is. Uh, the man is tall, and he's got a little brother on the team right now. Hint, hint. There you go. Next, Tony Bradley. He is part of the Chicago Bulls, along with Kobe White, who is also a Bull. Doesn't get a ton of playing time right now, but, but gets in at the end of games with some regularity. And then I already mentioned Reggie Bullock, in, uh, who is a Dallas Mav, along with Theo Pinson. Been uh, just a steady staple for them throughout this season. Then you got Ed Davis, Steady Eddie, who is on the Cavaliers this year. Another one just not getting much uh, of any playing time, but he is there just as a veteran providing a lot of good presence. Wayne Ellington in that sweet, sweet, beautiful three-point stroke is out in L.A. this year playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis on the Lakers. Danny Green continues to be part of the 76ers. He's been in and out a little bit recently with some injuries, but is working his way back in. I've already mentioned Justin Jackson, who's on the Suns right now, with Cam Johnson. And so Justin Jackson's 10-day contract, he signed back on February 1st, and so that's getting close to its end. So we'll have to keep tabs on if they resign him or if another franchise resigns him. So hopefully... Uh, Justin can can stick around and find a landing place. I, I don't understand why he hasn't stuck, but would love to see that for him. And then obviously, yes, Cam Johnson is a big part of the Suns rotation. He is fifth on the team in scoring at 11.9 and is the other Tar Heel I referenced, similar to Harrison Barnes, who's hitting at 45, 40, and 80 in uh, field goal percentage, three-pointers, and free throws. To be more specific, Johnson is shooting 45.6% on field goals, 42.9% from three, and 84.9% on free throws. That is just ridiculous. That man's huge and just doing it. So cool to see his progression and how he's just kind of come out of nowhere. You, you, you remember the kind of iconic video with Kobe White going nuts when Cam Johnson got drafted as high as he did. So hopefully Puff can continue to grow into to the player his brother is and just be a staple for Coach Davis and the Tar Heels the next several years. Uh, and speaking of the Suns, they are the best team in basketball right now. They have a three-game lead over the Warriors for first in the Western Conference, and nobody in the East is even close to touching that mark. And so, Cam, Suns, keep going, brother. That's awesome. Nasir Little is part of the Trailblazers. He has really come into his own a lot more this year. Unfortunately, he just injured his left shoulder has an issue with his labrum a week or two ago, and it, it's feared that he is going to have to be out for the rest of the season. It's not been confirmed that, but th that is what the anticipation is. I've already mentioned Theo Pinson, and then we've got Dayron Sharp, the lone rookie Tar Heel. 
playing for the Brooklyn Nets. As we were going through all the COVID attrition, he got several starts and it started to cement himself a little bit. Uh, you might or might not be aware of this, but people often say that rebounding is the thing that really translates from the college game to the NBA. And Dayron has proven that to be true, just still rebounding at a very high level. And then the 13th, the last and final Tar Heel in the NBA currently is none other than Kobe White. Boy, I miss that fro. That thing is beautiful. Uh, but I mean, he looks sleek with his hair short. Looks good. Uh, he is fifth on scoring, fifth in scoring for the Bulls, 12.9 a game, getting it done. Really still trying to find just, I feel like there's got to come a point where Kobe turns into just a lead guard that is really relied on. Uh, I'm not sure why it hasn't happened yet, but I feel like it's going to happen for him. Well, as I said just a couple minutes ago, we are getting close to the NBA All-Star break. The last day of games before that break is a week from today. So next Thursday is the last day of games. And then on Friday, the game stop and all the All-Star festivities take place, culminating in the game, that the actual All-Star game. That's Sunday night, February 20th. Tune in to that. It really is great to see so many Tar Heels flourishing at the highest level of basketball in the world. Uh, even players like veteran Ed Davis, who I mentioned, not getting much playing time, but man, is he counted on as just this clubhouse presence that, that teaches the younger guys how to do it, how to do it right, how to be a professional, all of those kind of things. The same is very true of Theo Pinson. Obviously, as a player on a two-way contract, isn't getting a ton of playing time, uh, but Mavs head coach Jason Kidd recently said, Theo has been, this is a direct quote, Theo has been our MVP since he joined the team. And so, you know, Theo's Theo. He's going to bring all this great energy and talking and uh, just being being plugged in and engaged no matter what his playing time looks like. Just a consummate professional and love to see that he's continuing to get these opportunities. And what that all means is whether on the court or in the locker room, Tar Heels are setting the standard for what it means to be a professional basketball player. And you love to see that, and you love what it says about this university and how they are preparing these young men to thrive in this world. Well, from Tar Heels currently in the NBA to one who's hoping to get there soon, I'm going to update Dawson Garcia's status with the team in just a minute, but before I do, check this out. So, Dawson Garcia, what is going on with him where is he? When can Carolina expect him back? Let's go back to January 2nd. It's a minute 59 seconds into Carolina's game at Boston College. Dawson Garcia goes down to the floor, and uh, immediately after that, a 7-foot, 240-pound Dutchman named Quentin Post sat on his head. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, where I come from... Ahead is no match for a 7-foot, 240-pound Dutchman named Quentin, right? So, uh, unfortunately, because of that, Garcia wound up leaving that game with uh, potential concussion, and it, it turned out he did go into concussion protocol, and so missed the next two games after that at Notre Dame and then hosting Virginia at home. He then returned for the next three games, Georgia Tech and then at Miami and at Wake, preferred not to remember either of those two road games, but they did happen. So says the schedule, but you know, I, I don't remember anything from that. <laughs> but then following that Wake Forest game, 
Dawson Garcia has been gone from the team since then. Just before hosting Virginia Tech on January 24th, the next game after that weight game, Carolina announced that Garcia would be home in Minnesota to be with his family as they underwent just dealing with some family health issues. And so he has been home and away from the team ever since then. We're not entirely sure the ins and outs of that. Coach Davis and the staff, wisely so, have, have been good about protecting their privacy and making sure that things are okay from them while still keeping us in the loop that of, of what's going on a little bit so that uh, there's not total uh, in the dark. People are a little bit aware of it. But that means that uh, since missing that Virginia Tech game, there's been that game and then five more. So he has missed six games at home with his family, plus the two he was out for his concussion and 38 minutes of that Boston College game, which might as well be the whole thing. So that means that Garcia has now missed most or all of nine ACC games. And let's be honest, Garcia would have certainly made a big difference in Carolina's two losses during his absence. Those would be the game at Notre Dame, which was one of the concussion games. Uh, just based on the way Notre Dame was able to do some things offensively, uh, things with personnel that Garcia would have matched up well with, and that game wound up being only a five-point deficit, and for my money's worth, if Garcia's in that game, Carolina wins. I firmly believe that that would have happened. The other game, obviously, that Carolina lost in his absence is the Duke game. Now, while I'm not saying that they would have won the Duke game if Garcia had been there and playing, I do think it would have made a difference in Carolina's competitiveness. We, we talked about earlier in the week the defensive matchup issues that Carolina had against Duke chief of which is A.J. Griffin and Paolo Bancaro. Just have the, the way Carolina's personnel lines up right now, it just doesn't match up well with that. And Garcia would have certainly helped in that endeavor. Again, I'm not saying Carolina would have won the game, but come on, it helps for sure. And as we know, Anthony Harris is out for the season, and so Garcia's absence is all the more magnified because Carolina is down two of their main rotation players. And so Garcia's presence alone would add such depth to a team currently having to rely heavy, heavily, heavily on the starters for playing a lot of minutes. And so I'm not sure if Garcia would have returned to the starting lineup, you know, those, those games after he came back from his concussion, the three games he played before going home. He didn't start. Brady Manick started each of those. And Garcia's numbers were in the teens. And so the, there's no guarantees that he would have found his way back into the starting lineup, but he would be a key piece adding starter-level minutes. If not a starter, sh surely would have been the sixth, man uh, playing the sixth, you know, top six in minutes. And what else does that do? Well, it takes the other guys coming off the bench and pushes them one spot down the rotation, which is a win in terms of depth and skill level and experience. So for example, uh, prior to the game this week, Puff Johnson had been coming off as the number six player. And if Garcia is back, that moves him back to the number seven spot, or Kerwin Walton, who's been coming in typically as the seventh man right now, then moves back to the eighth. And that just adds much more flexibility and capability and depth for Coach Davis to utilize. So that all is background to set the stage to ask the question, 
what is the update with Dawson Garcia right now? Coach Davis was asked about that earlier this week on the ACC conference call. Here is the audio of his response. Yeah, the, the update is is that I, I do not know um, when he's going to return to the team. Um, CL, we, we desperately miss him, not just as a basketball player, but as a person. Um, we love him and his family. The best thing for Dawson is, is to be with his family during this time. And so um, he's exactly where he needs to be. And so from that standpoint, we're thinking about him, we're caring for him, and we're 100% supportive. And so in terms of his return, we don't have an immediate update, but that's something that when he comes back, you know, he'll come in with open arms and with hugs because he means so much to this team and to this program. So obviously nothing definitive there from Coach Davis in terms of a timeline, just just hopes for what will happen. But there's a couple of takeaways, a couple of things I noticed that I just want to point out to, to take away from what Coach David just, just said there. His very first statement, he said, I do not know when he's going to return to the team. And I, I know this is just getting very specific, but he said when, not if Dawson Garcia comes back. He did not say, I don't know if he's going to come back to the team, but I hope he does. No, he said, I do not know when he's coming back. And so that to me says Dawson Garcia is going to be part of the 2021-22 Tar Heels again at some point. I know the number of games is, is shrinking and, and getting shorter, but it sounds like from what Coach Davis is saying, he's coming back. The, the next thing is that there have been rumblings. I've been hearing rumors from all sorts of various sources and places saying that Garcia is, is cleared out of his room. He's gone. All his stuff is gone. But and, and I'm not saying that's not true, but I'm saying if Coach Davis is saying that he's coming back, we have no reason not to believe that's not true. He is a, a man of his word. He... Yes, some of his answers at, at this point in his first season as coach are a little bit canned, um, but I, I don't believe he would be intentionally guarded in, in terms of being misleading or lying about it. I don't think he would hide it. I, th- I think he would not make as definitive of a comment if Garcia was, was cleared out and gone and not coming back. He would not say the things he said. And then the third thing I have to wonder is this. You hear a lot of that familial language that Coach used. Um, He said the best thing for Dawson is to be with his family, so that's exactly where he needs to be. We're thinking about him. We're caring for him. We're 100% supportive. And when he comes back, he'll come in with open arms and hugs. And as I hear Coach saying that, here's what I wonder. Is if Coach Davis is using that microphone to speak directly to Dawson Garcia when he says that. Reminding Dawson of his his second home in Chapel Hill and what's awaiting for him when he comes back. It's very similar. I don't know if you remember Coach Davis's press conference, his introduction press conference when he was introduced as head coach. At that point, there was still some hope of getting Walker Kessler to come back to Carolina. And in that uh, in that introductory press conference, he spoke very directly to Walker, um, and it, it was pretty obvious that's what was going on. And I wonder if he's doing something similar here, trying, he's he's talking to the media, talking to, a- answering the question asked, uh, 
But I think in a not so veiled way, he's reminding Dawson Garcia of what is awaiting him in Chapel Hill. But I want to say this, regardless of what's going on, we all have to remember that these young men are first and foremost human beings. They are sons and brothers, and believe it or not, they exist and have a life off the basketball court. And, and so what I just want to say, maybe on behalf of some Tar Heels, is this. Dawson, the entire Garcia family, if you're out there and you're listening, you just need to know that you are in our thoughts and our prayers. From the Tar Heel Nation to you, we hope that that healing finds its way to your family and, and that it does so quickly. And you need to know, you need to be reminded that who you are as a person matters infinitely more than who you are as a basketball player. So take the time you need. Don't feel pressure. Do what you need to do for your family. Because is that not what we would all want for our families and, and who we are and how we come together? And so just as Coach Davis said, Dawson, we can't wait to welcome you back with open arms. Well, that's it for this edition of Locked on Tar Heels. Please go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Follow me at Isaac Shade. And if you like what you're hearing, go tell a friend. Bring, bring them along for the ride. Or maybe you got a you got a Duke friend who wants to come hate listen to the show. Or maybe you could proselytize an NC State fan and say, hey, things aren't going great for y'all. Come, come be a Tar Heel and, and get them into this train. That'd be awesome. Well, coming up on tomorrow's show, we are going to preview Saturday's basketball game against Florida State. We're going to take a closer look at something of uh, going on with Caleb Love's shooting slump with some wisdom direct from his head coach. And then we're going to get into what I'm going to call quad talk. I've been talking some about the NCAA's net rankings and the, the quads, quad one, two, three, and four, and several have reached out to ask about those. So I'm going to do a little training, a little tutorial on our Friday show for what the quads are. So we're going to call it quad talk. <laughs> Thanks so much for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen every day. Now let me encourage you to make Locked On Bets your second listen. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Starling. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Until tomorrow, peace!
Until tomorrow, peace!